0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome to TLDR Podcast. This is episode one hundred and twelve that we are recording this week. Um, it, it's 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 been an exciting week for uh, for for a lot of sports around here. But I'm gonna do something a little bit different before I introduce the guys. Every time I host, I'm going to provide you guys a weird sports story of the week. I love it. What um, we got?
1: Don't tell me about the, the weird
0: one. Is there was a rugby player in in Australia who was suspended eight games for sticking his finger up another guy's. Bum. Ah, I saw this. That oh. is the story that I'm going to leave everybody with. I'm I, actually, if uh, if you're listening to this podcast early in the morning, good morning. <laughs> um, we're gonna start out real strong with that. So that's, yes, that's I, I
1: got way too happy with that one. That's no, a little weird. He knew
2: it. <laughs> he knew it. Sounds like a good just because like,
1: I because
3: I knew it was happening. I I, or, or yeah, I, I knew I, it was happening. I knew it was so, happening. I've I heard I heard the story before.
0: So, um, for lack of better yeah. descriptive words, that was, that is a taste of what's going to happen every time I host with a, uh, with a random weird sports story of the week, that one's kind of weird. And apparently it's not the first time he actually got off pretty easy. Um, I watched the video, honestly, he probably should be, uh, should be going wait, to wait,
2: wait, wait, who got off easy? The guy with the finger <laughs> or the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Nice, Alex. First of all, second,
0: secondly, I and when I watched the video, I'm pretty sure that what I saw was not just an eight game sports suspension, it's like eight years in prison like it was definitely <laughs> sexual harassment holy fuck
1: <laughs> in my opinion for eight years for that in my
0: opinion um, eight years he, he got eight games he's not going to jail It's not nothing's gonna happen it's just my opinion he he should probably be behind bars after that but especially because the evidence is clear anyway um good morning or good afternoon whatever <laughs> uh, um james i'm gonna go
1: straight to you uh how was your week bud how are you feeling i mean it, it's tuesday uh and I'm exhausted. Work sucks because as an AT, I got to treat people instead of just giving them a steak and telling them to suck it up like Alex really wants me to do. I love steak, by the way. Uh, but my women's soccer team is really, really good. They won 7 0 today. Fuck. Brutal. They're, they're just, they're too good to, I'm going to get, we're going to win state pretty much. I'm going to get a ring. It's going to be great. Fuck yeah. Uh, but Go it's going to be brutal. Go Hawks.
0: Yeah, that's it's that time of year again. Uh, I know the fall and the winter are pretty, uh, pretty brutal for for you guys. Specifically, you for some reason, um, you know, I don't, you know, and even don't even have to deal with football. So one Lucky person, you. bro, I'm one person dealing with like 200 people. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> you're 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 a rock star. Um, the other at on the pod, Tyler. We started this podcast late because of you. Yeah. Um, so you must be busy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Water polos in the, we're halfway through double day. So we start at 7am and we end at 7am or 7pm. Uh, not quite that bad, but, uh, but it's good, man. I mean, we're going through it. Um, there's always those injuries that happen halfway through this stuff, but then we got, everyone's coming back next week. So once as soon as water polos done with double days, then everyone starts school and it's going to be crappy. The first month is always a shit show because everyone gets hurt the first like month of the season because they didn't do shit over the summer. But it is what it is, man. We deal with it. It is what it is. All he needs to go say hi to mom. Sorry. Um yeah, it's all good. Um but I'm I'm excited to get water polo started. I think we're gonna have a good team this year. As James thinks, you know, like our knows that his women's soccer team's good. I feel like our men's water polo team has a really good chance to win conference this year. We're wow. hosting the we're hosting the conference tournament at LMU this year. So hopefully we take it home on our on our home pool. If that makes sense. It's kind of weird to say that with it, but uh yeah go lions uh I've, I've i'm really feeling really good about our men's water pool team this year, so i think we're gonna have a good shot to win it love it love it go hawks go lions i love that yeah uh alex we don't deal with this shit
2: um how what are you dealing with right now i have a bone to pick with one of us on this podcast right now shit james <laughs> uh, here we go <laughs> no, 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 no no it's not that bad remember when we talked about breakfast food like a month ago or whenever it was and you were going to come visit me and we're going to go on a date and we're going to have breakfast pizza and then we could like you know do rugby player things with buttholes or whatever <laughs> anyway, happen, I'm, man. Trying to, I'm trying to guilt i mean we can skip the rugby thing but i'm trying to guilt trip james into coming to visit me <laughs> in about in about
1: like a month and a half when i finally get a free weekend i'll make that happen deal um
2: i am fantastic um my uh underwater basket weaving team uh already won state this week So good congratulations incredible they've actually never lost um their weaving is just it's incredible yeah (laughs) hey that's that's all that's what we strive
0: for that's what (laughs) we strive for um uh but nothing nothing major in the in the in your
2: in your work life nothing uh no i will be missing a podcast in two weeks uh, i'm going to colorado on a work trip we're going Lame. to we're going to a horse ranch so i'm gonna oh, wow. Me mean the horsies are gonna be doing horse things Bokey player things
1: yeah
2: yeah and uh <laughs> so we'll, we'll give you an update when uh after that's over i am coming i am coming down to socal uh next weekend tyler when am i coming uh september 4th yeah
0: nice that's yeah. a sunday Today. Yes. So, tyler and sunday, Tyler's tyler and me have our first game on on that sunday oh so fuck i'm not going he probably won't be on
1: that
2: i'm
0: like <laughs> i'm <laughs> not
1: going
2: to that one just you know i'm busy
1: until about 3 p.m that day but then after 3 p.m i'm good
2: well, I do. because tyler and i are busy at 3 p.m yeah because we're going to dodgers Padres sunday night baseball Ooh, yeah. fun stuff well good that you guys can
0: check that out um you know what we're not even gonna have a break. Um, I already, uh, you know, that this the start of this podcast has pointed probably been top, like top tier uh, ever. So uh, I'm just gonna keep yeah. it rolling. Um, Tyler, let's go right into baseball. You know, you okay. uh, let's do your let's do your O oh, dams, let's do your let's do your thing.
3: What's going on? Oh damn, um, guys, we talked about this is a surprise. Oh damn, we talked about Albert Pujols last week. And where he's out with his, his seven hundred requests for seven hundred. Since we last talked, he's hit four more dingers. So he is currently, as we sit today on this podcast, he is at six ninety three. He, uh, like I said, four home runs last week. He hit two of them in, in one game. Um, he's absolutely just killing it. He seems to. He's hitting at a at a slugging percentage, one of the best OPS slugging percentage he's ever hit in his career. He he is he he knows he's got like five weeks left, and he's fucking going for it. I feel it. I feel like there's some magic happening. I don't know if you guys have got a sense of that this past week, but I feel, I don't know. It's one of those things where he's he's at at seven left. I don't know. There's something happening. Do you guys feel the same? Alex, I got to talk to you. I know you're like fellow baseball guy. Who's like a major Albert Pujols fan. Like, do you feel like this last week is giving you so much more hope and you feel like he's got it in the bag? I mean, not in the bag, but it's, it's, I feel like it's more of an event now. Like I think like, Everyone's on Albert Pujols watch right now,
2: right? Yeah, um, I was listening to Chris uh, Chris Rose and Trevor Ploof talk about baseball this morning. And, uh, you know, in our lifetimes, we've really only had Barry Bonds going for it, you know, going for 700, passing Hank Aaron, a lot of, lot of stigma around that, yeah. We had A-Rod kind of trying to get close to 700. He fell a little short, a lot of stigma, you know, bullshit around that. Everyone should be rooting for Albert Pujols to get to 700. Uh, I I really hope he gets there. He, you know, he came out l- earlier this week and said, "No, this is for sure." It if like I know this might be a little shitty, but like in the last week, if the Cardinals have the division wrapped up, Pujols needs to be hitting every single game. And pitchers just just need to be grooving them some. Like, I don't even care. <laughs> giving them nice cookies. <laughs> grooving them some, like, 83-mile-an-hour fastballs and just let them – Yeah, I'm on full pool hole swatch. I've been, like, updating my MLB app every single day when I know they're playing. I think they played two in Chicago today. I don't think he hit any more today. Um, I hope he gets there. God, I wish he didn't sign with the Angels. He probably could have had 800 by now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
3: <laughs> James, you were, James, you were pretty adamant last week that there's no chance that Albert Pujols would get to 700. Have you changed your mind
1: after last week? I, I mean, I wouldn't say adamant that there was no chance. I said they had less of a chance than the Angels making the playoffs, at which point that the Angels had 0.7% chance to make the playoffs. So there was still a chance, albeit little. And it's definitely changed since then. I think what we don't talk about enough is the home run derby. Let's talk about how the home run derby basically fixed albert pools swing after home run derby he's hitting bombs. typically we talk about home run derby and how it destroys people's swings like it did show hey last year albert all the way around home run derby happened after home run derby look at him now he's cruising he has a solid chance now guys just a solid chance i'm super excited like alex said and rooting for him to make it Fuck like, yeah dude what uh, if he hits it
2: on the last like what if he hits his number 700 and his last at bat game 162?
3: I legit had that thought today. So the, the the Cubs and Cardinals had a doubleheader today. So their first game started at 11 AM our time. I had it on an athletic training room and I was watching Outerpool's first at bat who also like whoever was umpiring today gave him a brutal fucking call. It was an outside pitch. Yeah, it dude that umpire, do you, do you hate baseball? Like fucking like, what the fuck's your problem? Like, don't give him a chance to at least, you know, don't strike out looking on a, on a, on a fastball. That's two inches outside. Like give them some benefit of the doubt. Like have some feel the robots are coming anyway. I don't even know what my point was on that one, but <laughs> trade in. What, what do you feel about Albert Bowles? Are Are you, are you uh, like, are you more giddy now after, after last week, or are you just kind of the same? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely more giddy.
0: I mean, it's, it's definitely exciting. Although, I mean, if he does this, he'll he. I mean, he hasn't broken. He has to get twenty one home runs, right, it, for the season, and he hasn't broke the twenty yard mark or twenty home run uh, um, milestone since twenty nineteen. And he, but his numbers are better than they were back in two thousand twelve. He hasn't come close to these types of numbers, so maybe something. Maybe you guys are right. Maybe he. Maybe something's just uh, just magically working for him at the right time, which. You know, it, it happens. It happens to the guys that and it, if anyone deserves it, it's him. You know, it's it's not he, he did it right. He did it the right way. He's, he's been in this league for so many years. Uh, and this is this is one of those moments that the baseball gods are like, we're give we're giving back to you. You gave everything to the game. We're giving back to
3: you now. Yeah, for sure. I feel like it's kind of like that, you know, Kobe Bryant's last game where he just he just milked every ounce of effort he had possible in him, and he, d- he dropped that last was it sixty points in that his last game. 62. sixty two. I think Albert Pool is going to milk every. He's going. He's, he's going. I don't know. I I feel after last week, I feel like it's going to happen. And like Alex, like I said, I think you know it'd be crazy if it happened in his last at bat in the last game of the season. If he, had, if he was sitting at six ninety nine and that last at bat, he managed to get one. That'd be that'd be. I mean, incredible. How um, much
1: would that ball cost, do you
2: think? <laughs> millions of dollars. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a got to go ball, got to go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like, it's got to be in Cooperstown situation. So, so how much would so, they pay for it? Dude, honestly, like, if it was me, I would just get a really big T.O. Albert hug. I would yeah. just want a really big Albert Pujols hug. And maybe like one kiss on the cheek and I'm being good. <laughs> Separate. That's really nice. That's really nice, yeah. Alex. Separate. Yeah, you're a really like stand up guy. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, dude. If it was me, I'd be like, give me $7 billion and you can get the ball. $7 billion. I'm going to go buy out that Seven stadium, billion. bro. Game 162. Seven buy billion. the Angels, bro. Yeah, I was the say, Angels you are that money to go buy the, the Angels. You buy the Angels. Oh, my yes. God. That's my dream. Yeah. We're going to I'm going to give Shohei like $1 yeah. trillion. $1, one trillion. Trillion. I gotta, I gotta get a loan for that, but oh yeah, I don't know how this math is working. Like <laughs>
2: <Yeah. That's, laughs> this is, this is
1: definitely
3: a sneak peek for next week. I'm definitely going to talk about the angels possibly being up for sale, uh, but we're talking about more of that in depth next week. So that's a little, that's a little teaser for you guys, but we're definitely talking about that, but we're going to move on to my O dance for this week. Uh, let's talk about the New York Yankees guys. Like they have had a terrible month of August uh, they actually, the last two games, I think they're currently on a three game winning streak, which is funny after I've, of course, after I sent this, uh, Odam And they've kind of gone on a win streak, but before that they had the third worst record in baseball in the month of August, they were five and 14. Uh, despite that, they still have an eight game lead in the AL East, which just tells you how much of a tear that they were on for most of the season. But you know, the Yankees coming down the stretch, you never like to see a team who has been so good struggle down the stretch. And that's what they've been doing. They have not been playing very good baseball. As of late, uh, not not beating division opponents, they they just have not looked good on pretty much every aspect of the field. Aaron Judge, we talked about him. Uh, you know, he's at 48 home runs. Uh, speaking of home run watch, uh, he is 48 tonight. But um, just a lot of a lot of things not going right in uh, in, in, in Yankee Land. So I just kind of want to get a feel of kind of where you guys' panic meter is. Not necessarily of just like making the postseason, but I mean, this is a Yankees team that probably if we looked at the power rankings for all of us, like probably holds the record for, for longest weeks in number one. And they've been dropping lately pretty hard. I think last week, what they're at number four, James, I think they're number four, five, holy shit. They're number five right now, in our power rankings. So they've been dropping hard and they have not been very good. A lot of these for most of the season, we consider them to be the, the, the class of the American league panic meter wise, in terms of just world series contender, like chances of, 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 really being, a true, a truly great team. Currently, where they're talking about trading on a scale of one to ten, where's your panic meter with the New York Kings at, at this very moment?
0: I'm gonna say right at about a five. It's just average, average panic, and and you know why? Because this was bound to happen, guys. This team, this team was this team started on a torrid pace. I mean, they, they were they were going gangbusters. I mean, they were on pace to get. Uh, you know, by June 23rd, they were on pace to get 120 wins. Like, that's absurd. Um, obviously, there's the law of averages. And I think Alex has used that phrase or used something t- similar to that phrase many times. The reality is, it's this simple. They're not as good as they looked earlier, but they're not as bad as they are now. Does that make sense? And sure. that still puts them in the echelon of contention for sure. Um, they dealt with a lot of injuries since, uh, uh, you know, back a- about June. That's when, uh, or I'm sorry, July. That's when the the injuries bug started to started to hit them. The offense is just a little bit is is, is way off, and a lot of that some of that has to do with the fact that some of your best sluggers are uh, are injured. I'm looking at you, John Carlos Stanton, who's pro- who's I believe coming back this week, which that that's a good injection in the lineup um the, their trades haven't been you know haven't really panned out yet um it, you know and, and that that happens but guys i mean it's it's it, look that they, they can they can they can sit on the fact that their defense is still solid their base running apparently is looking at their base the base running uh stats are really bad uh they need to fix, they need to fix that but um uh, look this team is definitely a contender. I'm not really worried because it, it was bound to happen. Now, was I expecting it to happen as, you know, a, a, on such a grand scale as this? No, that's why it, That's why we're talking about it. But this team is definitely fine. This team is definitely still of the class of the AL. They are not my pick to make it out of the AL. And I've said that multiple times. This maybe, maybe cements that b- view of mine but they're still a contender for the, for the uh, world series.
3: All right. Uh, James, you know, Aaron Boone came out a couple of days ago and saying, you know, basically saying that, you know, this team should be pissed off about how shitty they've been playing. I think since then they've gone three and one, you know, I think, do you feel like Aaron Boone, you know, a lot of people are kind of hit and miss on that guy in terms of being a really good manager. And just, where do you feel like this Yankees team? Like if you were in that clubhouse, like, Kind of what would be your message to those guys in terms of like what they're doing and like kind of where's your panic
1: meter at? My message for them would be kind of what Aaron Boone is saying. They should be playing better and take some accountability. Um, like trade had mentioned, some of the sluggies are out and some of the trades didn't pan out, like Frankie Montas having like a 9.0 ERA. That was their biggest trade guy. And they traded away Jordan Montgomery, who is on a tear in St. Louis. He's like pitched 16 plus innings and has at ERA less than one, like this dude's on fire. And so stuff like that rubs the team the wrong way. It's like you upper management made the wrong decision in doing this trade and it just kind of snowballs from there. But the team itself needs to take accountability for what it can control. And what it can control is how they react to situations such as this. And uh, thus far, they've reacted poorly. And Aaron Boone put them on blast. And what happens is they took accountability and they've done pretty well. Aaron Boone slamming the table repeatedly, is kind of like a wake-up call. Like, there, are the Yankees thought they were on top of the world, went through a slump, and then Aaron Boone called them out, and that's what a manager should do. Give them a chance to fix something that was wrong. I don't like what the Angels did when shit went wrong, they fired him. It's tough to be a manager in the league if you're not given a chance to make it right, and Aaron Boone is making it right right now. Uh, as Trader mentioned, it's law of averages. This team was meant to go down at some point. And I'm kind of glad it's happening now, as opposed to in the playoffs, like every team has ups, every team has downs. It's how you rebound them. That really shows the character of the team. And although it's been short, it's been three games, like a three game win streak that you'd mentioned. It's still a good rebound. I think one of those two, of those games came against the Mets or one or two. Those are great games to have. Mets are a great team. Um, but every team's going to have ups and downs and it's better to it now. and figure it out now as opposed to in the playoffs.
3: Definitely. I mean, I think it's definitely a good time, you know, definitely try and go through these, these trials, you know, there's still time to, to put on a run in September going into the playoffs to kind of get yourself going. Um, I personally like, uh, you know, as much as I, I'm not a huge Yankees fan. I think Aaron Boone is, I, he's one of my favorite managers in all baseball. I think, I think he's awesome. I think he's one of the, the better ones. He's very vocal. Um, I, I, I feel like if he was my manager, I would love him. Um, but Alex kind of like, I think a lot of people are kind of chalking this up as the curse of Joey Gallo. Uh, They traded Joey Gallo. He's been, he's been killing the Dodgers. Dodgers have been going off ever since then. The Yankees have not been doing so good. Uh, Do you believe in the curse of Joey Gallo or like kind of, kind of where do you see, like where's your panic meter with the Yankees and all that stuff?
2: Uh, As for the curse of Joey Gallo. uh, I mean, I think it's just kind of funny timing. Um, Obviously the Dodgers are very good at, Reclamation projects. Um, that's kind of been like their almost like their forte the last half decade or so. So uh I was exp- and in you know as much pressure as there is in Los Angeles, there's nothing more, there's no more pressure in the world than being a Yankees player. Maybe other than being like a Maple Leafs player. Like those are probably like the top two. Um as for the Yankees, um, I kind of agree with both of you guys. Um you know, trading them on, I'm on like a five out of 10. They got a lot of injuries. Stanton comes back. Luis Severino comes back. Um, you know, I'm, law averages, blah, 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 whatever. They'll, <laughs> kind of, they'll figure, I mean, they'll figure it out. Um, but they've, they've had some big wins. So I, I believe they beat the the Mets today. That's a two game sweep of the Mets. They also beat Max Scherzer in one of those games, which is pretty big. Yeah. They ended up missing DeGrom because the, he got pushed back a start, um, You know, they came out, they almost got swept by the Blue Jays. They, you know, they figured that out. I still think, I don't, I don't know if it felt like, you know, in May and June, we were really destined for a Houston, New York, ALCS. It feels a little less like that will potentially happen. Um, I, I don't think the Yankees are as good as they were. I don't think they're as bad as they are now. Um. I guess we'll see what happens when we, when we get to the playoffs. I mean, their, their pitching is going to have to step up and someone other net, other than Aaron judge is going to have to get a, get a big hit, but um Yankees fans, you're going to win the division unless something catastrophic happens, but uh we'll see what happens, I guess.
3: Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Obviously Yankees always get put
2: in the spotlight
3: because they're the fucking New York Yankees and it is what it is. So we got to talk about it, but you know, I agree with you guys. I think mostly they had such a great start to the season. They're bound to have these stretches where it's not going that great. And I think you've seen that right now. And, you know, I mean, as you guys mentioned, you know, they got the two games against the Mets. That was, that's a big deal right there. I think, I think that could definitely get them back on the right track. Um, so let's move on to uh, my second. Oh, damn. And this is the Josh hater trade and it's not gone well for both teams. Um and you and I made a fancy football trade. I hope it doesn't turn out the way this trade is going. <laughs> uh, hopefully it's a win-win for us. Right now for these two teams, it's a lose-lose. Uh, on the Brewers' side, they gave up Josh Hader, arguably one of the better relievers closers in the game. Since then, they have lost hold of their division. Uh, and the bullpen is a big reason for the reason why they've won it. They're currently four and a half games back at the NL Central lead. They are one and a half games back at the wild card. Uh, it was kind of reached a pinnacle when – Three times they had a lead against the Chicago Cubs and lost an in extra innings, and they blew it three different times because of their bullpen. So having Josh Hader in situation would be awesome. So I think one of the biggest strengths of that team was definitely their bullpen, and they kind of gave that away a little bit. On the flip side, Josh Hader, who went to the San Diego Padres, has done awful since during the Padres. He has an ERA of over 16 since during the Padres. He's currently... Not in the closer role. They they take them back there and give them a they give him a break and kind of give him a breather and see, see. Hopefully, he can kind of regain his former Josh Hader self. But it's not going good for both teams. The San Diego Padres, as we mentioned, I think they're going in today. I think they're 17 games back or something, something stupid in the NL West. It's, it's, it's not even close. The Padres since the trade deadline, the Juan Soto, Josh Hader trade, have a losing record. Uh, we t- we talked t- 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 about last week. It still hasn't really turned around for them. Um, but simple question to every member on this podcast, which team regrets this trade more currently at the moment? Is it the Padres or the Brewers? Alex, what do you think?
2: Both? (laughs) Uh, I mean, look, the Brewers are one of those teams, kind of like Tampa where they're so analytically driven. And for all we know, Milwaukee saw something in Josh Hader about his delivery point, his VLO, his spin rate, whatever it was. And they were like, look, maybe this is the time we'll get, we'll get some guys. Um, obviously like it's kind of weird because typically, you know, when, when teams trade somebody of Josh haters caliber they're one of those teams is starting their rebuild and another team is going for it. In this aspect, like, obviously the Padres are going for it, but the Brewers, with their pitching staff, have they could have legitimate World Series aspirations, but, um, you know, I think if I had to pick one, it would be the Brewers, because the Padres are never going to win the division, even with, with, like, if they had not made any of these trades, they weren't going to win the division. With these trades, they're not going to win the division. But the Brewers have... the the team morale has seemed to just gone to the end of the toilet. So the Brewers, you know, maybe Josh Hader's hurt, maybe whatever. We don't know. But I would say the the Brewers probably are regretting this more than anything, just for the clubhouse mentality. For sure. James, do
3: you agree uh, Padres or Brewers regret this at the moment more? I disagree
1: with Alex. I think the Padres regret this more. Fuck you,
2: James.
1: (laughs) If you really want to, man, you know my address. Um, <laughs> but the, the reason being is that I agree with Alex in that I think the Brewers saw something in Josh Hader that made them realize that he's tradable. And if you trade him, trade him now because you'll get something out of him. Like If you waited a little bit longer and you traded him, you wouldn't get much back. Uh, in the month of July alone, his ERA with the Brewers went from 1.09 to 424 this is that that is a huge downslope for somebody of his caliber, especially in a closer role when you pitch one inning. Like his ERA to jump that much is ridiculous. He His uh, strikeouts per walk, he had nine or four strikeouts per walk. That's not good for a closer. You want a lot more strikeouts. You don't want to walk anybody really as a closer. And that's just showing you that the Brewers saw something. And when they saw that, they were like, we can't fix this. Get him out of here ASAP. And in return, they got a couple of um, big league pitchers who are on the roster and a minor league guy who they DFA'd and never got back. But the thing is, they still got stuff back for Josh Hader, who was probably going to no longer be the closer for the Brewers either. The way his numbers are going, the way he was trending, he was going to work himself out of that role. So might as well get something out of it from the Padres. And that's he's like what they did. Damn,
3: I like that idea. Uh, but trading. I mean, we're talking about blockbuster trades. We made yep. one, uh, but, kind of, yeah. you know, hopefully we're not in this situation in a couple of weeks, but um, what do you think currently, you know, if, if you're the Brewers and the Padres, what which of these teams is being like, ah. Yeah, fuck. I, I disagree with one of the two.
0: And it's not Alex <laughs> by a long shot. When you have Eric Lauer, one of your one of one of uh, a guy who is a, a big part of this of this uh, Brewers team come out and speak that the message sent by the management by the front office was not the right message. That means your team morale is in the shitter. At the end of the day, I have I actually have of a belief that um, we'll see Josh Hader break out of this uh, break out of this slump and and it, it, look he's not gonna he's not gonna push the um, Padres over the edge. They already lost their one of their best um uh, one of their best players Anyway, so they're fucked anyway um but the brewers had an opportunity to at least like they were a contender and instead they instead they get a a a reliever and a couple prospects for a team that is moving to at least towards a um, division title if not more and this is this this is the message that you send and and now we have players that are coming out against the management team to me I would, that's a huge red flag. And it just shows that the leadership and their leadership throughout the entire organization is, is hinging on a thread. And that is not good for a team that is not even in a rebuild. They're in a, they're in a position to, to go, to go places. Um, And I don't even know what to, I mean, I know they, they may be, they may be quite analytically driven, which is one thing I, I hope to God that Josh Hader does rebound um, because you know, it just—you know—it's—it's good—it's good for—it's good, for, good to have a little bit of competition, right, Tyler? You need a little bit of competition in a division. Uh, uh, <laughs> but to see to see the Milwaukee Brewers completely piss away a a chance to at least hang on to a division, doing it this way it just seems—it just it, it's not the right message to send to a team that is not in a rebuild mode. They're not, and that and that alone could be detrimental for your team going forward.
3: Yeah, I agree. For me, for me, it's the Brewers. Like I, I just when it when the trade happened, it really that was the most shocking trade. Like I just felt like the Brewers. Anytime that they were in the postseason, it was all about that back in the bullpen, that Hader Williams combo, and even their starting pitching was so good. Their starting pitching has been a little not not quite as solid as it was, um, but they still had Hader Williams. I mean that that is lethal in the postseason. And to give that up with like the, the Brewers without hater, like that's like you're you went from a potential like fringe National League contender to being like not even in the playoffs. Like that's how much of an important a guy he was. And we're seeing that right now. So for me, it's the Brewers. I think the Padres will be okay. I don't think that they didn't really have any. It was kind of they didn't really. It was kind of a. You know, high risk, high reward, re, re, or sorry, low risk, high reward kind of deal for them. Um, because they didn't really have much in the bullpen anyway. It's not like they were kind of re, 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 replacing anybody. So it'll be interesting to see how it happens. I feel like Hader is going to rebound. I feel like he's going to figure out something, uh, towards the end there. But yeah, for me, it's the Brewers. I just, if this trade still doesn't make any sense to me. So we'll kind of see how they have. I mean, if they don't make the postseason, sucks us up, Brewers. I don't want to tell you. Um, so moving on to my last damn moment, let's, let's let's go through it pretty quickly. Um, I don't like to talk about the Dodgers and Dicex Dodgers too much because they're my team, but I do want to talk about this because this is something that I've kind of been thinking about the last couple of weeks ever since we got the news about Walker Bueller that he's done for the season. He just had Tommy John surgery uh, today, actually, uh, for the second time in his career. So he's out for the remainder this year and the remainder of last year. But we're going to talk about this year, and we're going to look at the Dodgers pitching in terms of not just obviously they're 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 gonna win the division they're gonna be fine in the regular season but when it comes to october i think having those power arms and that power pitching is super super important and i just kind of want to get your guys opinion on where the dodgers stand currently like with with their pitching options if they have enough to win a world series And i think it's actually a legitimate question um you know, obviously Walker Bueller's out. He was, he's their stud. He's their October horse. Like he's the guy that goes out there. You know, you, you're going to put Walker Bueller out there. He's going to shove it. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is one of those guys that you never know what you're going to get. He's currently on the IL with a back injury. He, he, he is expected to return soon, but he's a question mark in, in, in October. As we've seen, they did get Dustin May back, which is huge. He's looked phenomenal since he's been wow. back. So that would, that would be a huge boost for them. Um, obviously currently as the rotation stands, Tony, Gonslin Gonson has an, had an incredible, incredible season, uh, Tyler Anderson, but both of those guys are kind of unproven when it comes to o- o- October baseball. Uh, Julio is great. I think, I think he'll be a, a great option, you know, then past that you got, you know, Dustin may, who's coming back from an injury. He looks great so far, but you know, again, still coming back from Tommy John, Andrew Heaney, who in his limited amount of time has looked pretty solid, but again, zero, like not a whole lot of October experience. <laughs> And the rookie uh, Ryan Pepio, who has potential, but again, like I think the amount of October and postseason experience for this Dodgers, especially with the starting rotation, is very mm-hmm. minimal, and to me is a little bit concerning when you're talking about trying to go for for a World Series run. Um, the bullpen, obviously, Craig Kimbrell uh has been very shaky as their closer. They are expected to get Blake trying it back at some point. I feel like they're going to probably get if he's looking good, they're probably going to put him immediately in in, in, in into the, the closer role. But that's just my opinion. But I mean, regular season they've been great. They got the best ERA, whip, batting average against in baseball. Like they're very very good. They got a lot of depth, but I'm not that's not I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about when you come to October and you got those postseason dogs. Those October dogs. Like I don't know Compared to other nationally contenders, if they stack up quite as well, but I want to get you, but I, but I want to get your guys' opinion, James. What do you think the how do the Dodgers have enough to to compete in October baseball with their current uh, pitching
1: staff? I really think that they do. You named off a bunch of people there, but there's two names that really stand up the most to me: Tony Gonsolin having a career year, like this guy's going crazy right now, and there's nothing that suggests that it's going to fade in October. He's had plenty of. time opportunities time and time again to flounder do bad and he's conquered it and done great i think his worst like pitching inning pitched ever this season was in the all-star game come on man like every single time he goes out there on the mound he is great he's on top of it i don't think that's ever going to change for him right now and then the return of dustin may even though he lost walker bueller dustin may is great too but he's a different kind of pitcher he is throwing 100 plus and if anything if anything's shown us how, how, about how far Tommy John surgery has come recently, it's Justin Verlander. Like Justin Verlander was a great pitcher beforehand. I'll give him that credit. Having Tommy John surgery at his age should have set him back a decent amount. Yet because of the rehab, because of the surgery, because of the techniques in this day and age, he's come out here on fire. And Justin Bay being as young as he is, like and what he's shown thus far, gives me a lot of faith to think that he's on the same trajectory in terms of rehab, power how far he is in process because of what Justin Verlander did. And I think he's going to follow in that track right there. Not saying he's going to be as good as Justin Verlander, but I'm saying that he can give you the same amount of innings pitched without any kind of restriction, same power, same velocity, same accuracy, all because of how far this Tommy John surgery has come in the last couple of years. Dustin May looks great so far. I have no reason to think that he's going to get worse because of how young he is. I think he'll be fine in this rotation uh everybody else had mentioned Julio Rios Anderson's having a great year too uh Kershaw if he once he ever gets once he gets better has been shaky in October but I think this year is different man there's just something about how he's pitched at the beginning of the season and how the all-star game and he got to start the all-star game and was not taking any shit there like this year is different for Clayton Kershaw and I have a ton of faith in him
3: all right I like to hear that uh trade-in um... You know how how big of a loss do you feel like Walker Buehler is? I, he's had so much success as being that guy, and I feel like the Dodgers without Walker don't have that guy. And I feel like every, most postseason teams that do that are successful that go on runs, they have at least that one pitcher that just just you he's he's automatic. And currently, as assembles the names I've listed off, without Walker Buehler there, the Dodgers don't only really have that guy. I mean, I'm, I'm being honest, like there are guys p- potentially to be, as James mentioned, like Tony Gonsolin potentially could be that guy, but in October, you know, Dustin May, Julio came out of the bullpen in that, in that 2020 season and, 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 and was lights out. I'll, I'll give him credit for that. I don't think a lot of people are talking about Julio, which is kind of weird, but other than that, you know, Walker Buehler was a huge reason that they won the 2020 world series. Are you concerned that currently as, as assembled, the Dodgers don't have that guy or do you think that as james mentioned one of these guys will step up and become that
0: yeah i uh i agree with one guy on this podcast and that's james uh when it comes (laughs) to this (laughs) look this team i have a feeling i just have this weird feeling that this is gonna this is gonna be a team that that can get it done by committee that can get it done by committee and you know why it's because they've had stellar stellar uh, performances from many of their starting pitchers so far um and dustin may i i just saw the like the highlights of, of that game like unbelievable like that was an unbelievable He's nasty He's and if so and nasty. if that's just if that if that's just a sign of things to come you guys are going to be fine with with him slotting into the rotation something that i might be bringing up that might make no sense um but i'm trying to equate it to to how i look at how i look at hockey and goaltending and there's kind of a a. Uh, uh, you know, there's si- similar uh, attributes towards a goaltender and a, and a pitcher and goaltenders tend to do better when they're scoring support. Right. You guys have some of the best offense in the game. And when your offense is hitting, well, it relieves, it relieves some pressure from those, pre- from those pitchers to have to, to have to be absolutely fucking perfect every single time they're on the mound. That means something, whether, whether or not that's actually a real thing. I, I have to think that it, that it does mean something. And if you guys continue, if the Dodgers continue to have that solid offense and at least have at least a fraction of the, of the incredible pitching that they've had on the starting side, as well as in the, in the bullpen, I think that they're going to be just fine. The closer is a problem. That is a huge problem. And now this is actually a guy you probably should start booing. Like this is an actual closer. You can boo that actually probably deserves it. Um, (laughs) Fuck you Dodgers fans, by the way. Um, (laughs) But look, I I might, I might be blowing smoke. I don't know, but I just have to think that everything is, is, is working well as a, as a, as a unit. And if, if you get some, if you get some run support to kind of help your, to kind of help relieve some of the pressure of your, of your starting pitchers, I think that they can get it done by committee. You won't need a a elite go-to starting pitcher
3: to, to win a world series.
0: I hope I'm wrong, but I don't (laughs) think I'm
3: right. I like, I like your point that the Dodgers, they, I mean, their offense is probably one of the best offensive teams they've had going into a playoff run. I mean, I mentioned how they lead the league in you know all these pitching stats. They also lead the league in batting average uh, mm-hmm. run scored. And I think slugging percentage or something, something one of those major ones. Yep. So offensively they're stellar too. So I think that's a good point that the offense can pick up a little bit of slack that the pitching might lack. But Alex, my fellow Dodger fan, Companion, you've been through the ups and downs of all these postseason runs. What are your thoughts with our starting or pitching staff in general going into this 2022 run? Like, like, where's your confidence with it? Are you you feeling good about it? Do you feel a little shaky about it? Because, to be honest, I feel I'm I'm like slightly worried about it just because we don't have those proven October arms.
2: I'm not worried. Um, And James, James kind of said it right. Like Tyler, from 2012 to 2018. All of the Dodgers hopes were on the left arm of Clayton Kershaw. If, if he didn't perform, the Dodgers were losing the series. That was, didn't matter if Granky was throwing well, if Ryu was throwing well, if fucking Derek Lowe was throwing well, like, none, of that, <laughs> none of that shit mattered. It was all on Kersh. This, this year and kind of 2020 are the first years in his, in Kersh's career where it's like, it's not all on him. Like, if Kirsch comes back and he's healthy and he throws four inning four or five innings of spectacular baseball good to go um I think this is the year you know in in some of those early years we had Kirsch and Granky and they were incredible and then it was a who knows what's gonna happen kind of situation they literally have like six starting pitchers and in the postseason you really only need like three and a half so I'm not as worried. Um, you know, Gonsolin is thrown a lot of innings compared to his like career averages, but like he's young, this is the time to do it. Dustin may is disgusting. I don't know how anybody hits him. Um, you know, the, really the only pitching staff that can compare is the Mets. Um, and it, at, you know, at this point, it kind of feels like a Mets Dodgers NLCS is just, it's, it's coming to that point. Like, I mean, you never know shit could happen, but it, it feels like it's coming to that point. Um, And then, yeah, you know, Trayton's also right with the offense. Like, this offense is incredible. Like, Max Muncy has not been hitting well all year until the last two weeks, three weeks or whatever. And the Dodgers are like 50 games over 500. Uh, And just to point out how good this offense is, they they faced the most likely NL Cy Young award winner last Sunday. He didn't get, get through four innings. Tonight, they faced the NLSI Young Award winner from last year, didn't get through four innings. These boys are nasty. Like, trying comes comes back, Gratterall's back. If Craig Kimbrell's the seventh inning guy, I, I, Evan Phillips, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, this team's disgusting. Um, I'm not worried about their pitching. Um, Bueller, it sucks, but, uh, you know. I, I I trust them you know the Dodgers have obviously done an incredible job with their pitching and and with their reclamation projects. we talked about it earlier so I mean it's it's the playoffs you never know what's going to happen but like I think this team it feels like the 2018 Red Sox where like they're just destined to win the World Series and anything could happen but they're the best team in baseball right now you know we'll see what happens when October comes.
3: All right. I like it. Thanks boys. You're giving me a little bit of confidence boost in my team. I just, but I wanted to talk about that and kind of see where you guys thoughts were at. But yeah, I mean, I agree. I think the Dodgers, you know, I think although a lot of unproven arms, especially in the starting rotation, I think they've got a lot of talent there. Uh, so we'll see what happens. October baseball is where it's all at and we'll see what happens, but I do agree. I think the biggest point there is just like, you know, this offense fucking rakes. I think that's a huge confidence boost and takes a little bit of pressure off the pitching staff, even though they got some unproven arms, Hopefully Kershaw comes back and he's still that all-star that he was this year uh, to kind of lead that staff into the postseason. But uh, like I said, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. So that was a little bit of a long segment to start off the podcast guys, but uh, that's baseball for you. We're getting down to the last month of the year and things are starting to heat up. So uh, that's all we got for baseball this week. All we got
0: for baseball. Thank you very
3: much, Tyler. And most importantly, when it comes to baseball, go Mets, fuck up the
0: Dodgers and we're going to a break when we come back we're going to talk about basketball with Alex and we're back Uh, Alex is going to be talking about um, the shit teams in the west Um, we decided to go shit to shit Uh, we went from east to west
2: coast to coast shit to shit Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, it's a whole human centipede situation here. In- <laughs> yeah. Oh no!
0: It is. It is getting. Hey, this.
1: Okay. okay. What is with the poop and the butthole like theme going on with this episode. It's weird.
2: Yeah, it's a full butthole theme. <laughs> um, we are okay. So as as we talked about last week, um, we're moving on to the bottom five of the West. We'll do. Well, we're gonna go back and forth. We're gonna go east, west, east, west, east, west. Um, so finishing in last place the houston rockets they finished 20 and 62 not a great season for houston they are obviously in the middle of a rebuild traded a bunch of people away um out dennis schroeder still a free agent john wall goes to the clippers james favorite player christian wood is on the mavs in trey burke they their nba champions obviously um Jabari Smith was the third overall pick out of Auburn. And then Tyree Eason was 17th overall out of LSU. Palmace. the the Houston Rockets were a powerhouse. They just happened to run into Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green for a half a decade there. They probably would have won a championship if that team wasn't a thing. Um, Jabari Smith, Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., you know. They're, the youth movement in Houston is coming. They're starting over. Just, like, where do you think the Rockets are going? Um, you know, thoughts on their rebuild. Just, let's go Let's go full Houston real quick. Uh, the, I mean, the Rockets are
1: still going to suck. Let's be real. You talk about the youth movement and how that's what's leading them right now. The youth movement only really ever works if you have solid leadership and solid vets that can lead the way. One of the biggest problems that, the Rock said last year, was people didn't care. All they were there for is to get their paycheck, but they did not care if they won or lost. They were on the bench on their phone, not giving a shit, and they'd had to get many talks, and nothing really ever changed. Unfortunately, Christian Wood was one of those people, and he's gone now. But the other was Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. Like, they are too young, too immature to lead this team, and yet they're being thrust in a leadership role in which they have no – experience in they're still too raw they're lack consistency like these uh, outside jabari smith but we're talking about Jalen green and kevin ford who were on the team last season they're the kind of dudes that can put up 40 points one night and score two points the next there is no consistency in their game whatsoever and that's not a formulated winning jabari smith is great he looked great in college how is his game going to translate to the nba we don't know he needs leadership and without christian wood there to kind of show him how to be a big man Where is he going to get that leadership? You're going to rely on two little guards who are immature to show you a power forward, how to play in the league. I mean, you can talk to Boban, but Boban hasn't, I mean, I respect the guy, but he hasn't had success in the NBA. He's seven foot eight can dunk without jumping, but he, he plays averages three minutes a game. If that, you can't go to him and ask for a mentorship role out of somebody like that. You need somebody with success and the Rockets don't have anybody like that. Steven Silas, the coach, people love him but he has had zero success in the NBA and it's not going to change this season or next. They need, they need a vet coach who has been there done that and they don't have that right now without leadership. They're going nowhere.
2: Okay. They had 20 wins last year over under this year. 22, 22. That's a, that's an improvement. Good for you, Houston. Really proud of you. <laughs> um, yeah, James, I agree with all, with, with, you know, what you said um, They, there, I mean, the, you know there is really no veteran leadership on that team right now um and i mean and they did that on purpose so like whatever i guess but um you know looking looking at their team they're 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 going to struggle um do, okay last question on the Houston Rockets cuz i'm already tired of talking about them uh <laughs> do they get the number 1 overall pick again
1: Ooh, yeah i like we talked about last week the Orlando Magic I thought they were going to do marginally better. So, yeah, Houston Rockets, number one pick.
2: Houston, I hope you get it. I don't even – I have not thought about college basketball yet, so I don't even know who it could possibly be, but I am i hope you turn it around. Uh, fuck it. I don't even care. We're moving on. <laughs> the OKC Thunder, another team that has traded literally everyone to have every single pick in the NBA draft for the next 15 years. I think, you know, it's incredible what they are doing. Out literally no one. I looked it up. The people that were out, I've never heard of, they're not important. It doesn't matter. Um, in Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga, overall the second overall pick. Uh Jalen Williams. They had two picks in the top 15. He comes out of Santa Clara, and then they get a guy traded. Osmane Deng Dengue. I don't know. He came from New Zealand. <laughs> I don't know shit about him. I'm not gonna lie. It's you good. Don't follow New Zealand basketball. Okay. I'm busy. What? I don't have time to How do that. <laughs> Either way, the Thunder trade have traded everyone away in the last three years. They have a million first round picks. We're gonna we're gonna focus on chat right now. Uh before we started this, James had some thoughts. So I know we're gonna go right, we're gonna go straight back to James, but Tyler and Traden, if you have thoughts. After James does whatever, he's going to say. Feel free to interject. Generally, in the NBA, Gonzaga stars have not succeeded. They don't play a very uh, you know high level of competition. They're in the Pacific Northwest. It's just kind of a deal. Chet looks like a baller, but he's also forty five pounds and looks like Gumby. So. <laughs> James, your expectations, like what are you feeling? Thunder Nation, is this – did you make the right pick or did you squander a top two pick? He is probably the biggest bitch to come out of the draft in the last couple
1: of years. Oh, man. Like aggressive to start. No, no doubt in <laughs> my mind. Even pre-draft, there was an interview, and they asked Chet, who is the best player in the NBA? And this motherfucker goes, me in two months.
2: No, and I'm like, he's, bro. Said, oh, I
1: didn't know. What? You have done jack shit in the NBA, in the NCAA tournament, where you put it on the biggest stage. You got shut down, and you're going to come in here and be like, "Yep, I'm going to be the best player in the NBA in two months, and I've never played one game before." Paulo looks way better, first and foremost. Paulo looks like an NBA player. Chet, you look like some homeless dude who just happens to be seven foot. Man, put some muscle on. You're going to get pushed one direction, break every single bone in your body, and will never play again. It's going to be Greg Odom version two. Like, come on, bro. Like, you did not deserve what, what you got. And you come up here with all this confidence, saying you're the best. You're going to maybe average six points in three rounds a game. That's what I'm saying. Like, you are going to be terrible in the NBA until you learn some respect. Like, you can't be coming here saying you're the best player in the league. Bro, what – the? Twelfth man on the th- uh, not twelfth man on the Rockets will shut you down, and we just talk shit about the Rockets. But you have zero competition in college. On the biggest stage, you did nothing. You got shut down big time when your team was looking for you to score. You could not do it. Don't come in and talking all this shit, man. You a bitch. Yo, that that
0: like, I have a quick question. If that's Go okay ahead. to everybody, why are these young college basketball players coming with so much? bravado and ego I mean how is that getting through to owners and managers like what am I missing like how is that
2: attractive it It is just part of the culture The, the NFL does it as well I think just with the NBA because there's so many less players yeah they get the spotlight so much more obviously in in hockey and baseball they're going through some sort of minors system most of the time i mean obviously a lot of hockey players come straight out of the draft and go straight to their team but um it's, it's just part of the culture and like it does you do have to give a lot of credit to then to the guys who have that respect or like admiration when they come out of the draft and then come into the league and just straight ball like everyone hates lebron and that's fine but like he was the chosen one he's come in he's a top five player of all time. No one can really debate that. So uh, I can't wait. When he came into the league
1: though, like he was quiet. He He came in, did his work. Yeah, exactly. And Chet is what, 19 or 20? Yeah. And he's talking all this shit and hasn't done anything yet. Come on, man. Let us some respect.
2: I can't wait to see Chet and Giannis play on the same court together because Giannis (laughs) is an absolute freak. I mean, his (laughs) literally nickname is the Greek freak. And he might be able to just crumple Chet into a little ball and shoot him into the basket himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tyler in any thought any other thoughts on OKC Chet, where they're going. Yeah,
3: just you know, Gonzaga is in our conference with LMU and basketball. Well, that just so. that just
2: points it all out right there.
3: So I just want to say fuck Gonzaga and also like yeah, Chet Holmgren just just the look of him, dude. Like I'm not trying to like Athletes come in all shapes and sizes, but it looks like he's gonna get his fucking ass handed in the NBA, dude. Like I don't, I'm very, very curious to see how he's gonna handle himself physically against these NBA players who just are incredible athletes, and just, just he just does not look the part, to be honest with you. And that's part of it. Like sometimes, in some certain positions, some certain sports, like I think you can get away with with certain physical uh like not being as physical in certain situations, but I feel like in in his position and in, in, in this league, that's gonna kind of take advantage of him a little bit. So I'm very curious to see what he what he does. Um he's definitely the most I think eye opening first round pick I've seen in terms of just I feel like he's de- I agree with God, everyone what everyone's saying he's a little bit overrated in my opinion. I I I I would not draft him first round at all i i i yeah no i wouldn't i mean i would that.
1: draft the first round just not number two overall
3: damn i don't know I, I i just don't think he has he doesn't have the physicality like i and Alex, you mentioned you're right the wcc conference i mean i, I work in the wcc conference but in basketball like let's be honest it's not the fucking pac-12 or the you know sec or the you know acc it's not great competition so like we'll see what happens but uh fucking that 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 that, that's all i'm trying to say
2: uh okay uh the oklahoma city thunder opened their season in minnesota against the timberwolves you know who the timberwolves just traded for rudy gobert good luck chet it's gonna be a great time for your three points um okay we're moving on i'm tired of talking about the thunder three years from now they're gonna be really exciting and that's great um Moving on, we're the last three teams are going to talk about a lot more exciting. Um, you know, they feel like they've they're kind of getting a momentum, hopefully. The Portland Trailblazers just fell apart last year. Um, you know, they Dane got hurt, they traded their other backs backcourt star in CJ McCollum. Um, so he's out. Um, who, also Eric Bledsoe is out. Joe Ingles um never actually played for them, was just part of a trade. And then back, Ben McInmore is also out. But in, we talked about this last week, Jeremy Grant from Detroit, Gary Payton II, who was a big part of the Warriors championship run last year, um, and then Shannon Sharp was the seventh overall pick out of Kentucky. Tie, tie. The Portland Trailblazers, kind of the same thing with the Rockets a little bit. They, got, they were really good in, you know, the Warriors kind of like big heyday. Um, you know, they reloaded they kind of they reloaded they made this big trade for jeremy grant um cj's still gone mccollum has gone it's he's not coming back game should be healthy can the blazers rebound and get back to the playoffs pun intended rebound basketball Nailed nailed it uh i definitely
3: think on paper they certainly have the potential to do that um i i give credit to to lillard and sticking with his team and, and working with the front office and really trying to make it work. And, and for me, from a, from a personal and emotional standpoint, like I respect that, you know, I, I think that's awesome. I mean, you, you see so many of these NBA stars just leave the teams because they have one bad season and they feel like the there's like, there's no room to, to fix it and they just bail. Um, I think on paper, the trailblazers certainly are a postseason basketball team for sure. I, I don't think there's any reason to doubt them as that. Obviously, it's hard to really say because they have so many new pieces. So the the the, the postseason Trailblazers seem, other than Damian Lillard, like they're not really. It's not really the same team. Um, so we'll see how they mesh and gel. But I feel like they definitely have the pieces in place to make it to make a, a, a postseason run. Um, so I, I think Lillard is definitely, what I probably a top five NBA talent. Um, I think that he will. He has to be an MVP caliber player and the other pl- pl- players have to definitely um, support that. But I think on paper, they certainly have a good chance. So if, 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 if I'm putting money on it, I say come post-season time, the Portland Trailblazers are in the, are, are in the playoffs.
2: Okay. We're going to clip that. Uh, and by we, I mean you, because yeah. you do all the editing. Yep. Um, focusing on the Trailblazers and James and traden feel free to answer about this. Chauncey Billups was the head coach last year. He's obviously had a very storied NBA career. It feels like, you know, when he got hired, there was a lot of, um, you know, people kind of saying like, it's more of a name recognition hire more than a, you know, you are a basketball head coach to lead a team. Um, You know, do any of you guys have feelings about Chauncey? Like, obviously a lot of players got hurt. They traded their second best player. It, It all went to shit last year, but. Um, you know, we've seen issues with Steve Nash, a former player. We've seen issues with Jason Kidd, a former player. Thoughts about Chauncey Billups as the head coach? Um, And is he already on a potential hot seat in Portland if it doesn't go well? I actually like Chauncey
1: as a head coach. Um, The reason why is because he was a point guard, and typically a point guard is the coach on the floor. And the thing about Chauncey that sticks out, as opposed to every other po- – like Jason Kidd or Steve yeah. Nash – is that he didn't have all the athletic ability or was super gifted in the ways that Steve Nash and Jason Kidd were. Like, he didn't have Steve Nash's passing and shooting. He didn't have Jason Kidd's passing. Chauncey Bill was just an all-around good player. Like, he did the right things and at, at the right time. He wasn't overly athletic. He didn't shoot the shit out the ball. He didn't pass, like, uh, Jason Williams. Like, he was just a good player who did the right thing at the right time and played within his system and won an NBA championship that way. And so that's the kind of mentality it brings into this team. He's a point guard. He's a floor general who is bringing this team together and relying on them to play inside of a system and not rely on everybody else's individual strengths. And to do that, it takes time to establish that. And when you have your star guys hurt all the time and have to mess with their lineups in and out multiple times, it's hard to establish that team system. More continuity, more time with the star players, and more solid lineups and rotations, you'll see that system come to fruition, and you'll see a better play under Chauncey Billups. I like him as a coach a bunch. I have a lot of respect to this guy.
2: Yeah, um, you know, I, I I I agree with you. I mean, I think it's hard to to judge somebody after one year, especially the year that the Trailblazers just went through. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard work though, for sure. Like you made it. There's a lot of roster turnover. You're gonna have to see all these guys fit. Dame is obviously a very ball-heavy point. Like he's not, he you know he's not Nash kid Magic Johnson. Like that's not kind of who he is. Um, so we'll have to see how it all works. But uh, you know, for Portland, that you know that place gets rocking when they make the playoffs, and I hope it I hope it goes well for them. Speaking of Jason Williams, Sacramento Kings, our next team on our list. They finished 30 and 52. Thought it was gonna go better. Um, You know, I really thought the Kings had a shot to finally make the playoffs last year. They didn't do it, obviously. Um, Out, Dante DiVincenzo. He goes to the Warriors. Mo Harkless to Atlanta. Justin Holliday to Atlanta. Josh Jackson, Damian Jones, Jeremy Lamb. Bunch of guys out. In, Kent Bazemore, Quinn Cook, Matthew Deladova, uh, Kevin Heater, Malik Monk, and Keegan Murray from Iowa, the fourth overall pick. Kings are going for it. Don't forget, they also traded for Sabonis last year kind of we're hoping to make that playoff push it didn't happen the kings are kind of the mariners of the nba they haven't made the playoffs since 2006 which seems wild to me like that's so long ago and it's so easy to make the nba playoffs. so i don't know what you guys are doing kings um hopefully my brother-in-law and father are not listening to this since they have season tickets to the kings but <laughs> trade your wife's family is from Northern California, so that's kind of the king. So we're just gonna to go to you, and that's how it's gonna work, even though the warrior's fans. We're not gonna worry about it. <laughs> and De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, demona Sabonis, and the supporting crack, supporting cast, crack the top 10. Supporting crack. And a lot can of crack. Can they make, can make playoffs? Of... Is this the year? They finally they've got two. Um, you know what
0: I I I think that they have a ch- they have a solid chance to crack the playoffs. Um, Thank you. Got um, it. I do I do I I mean, look, it, it, it's tough when you're in such a division that is so deep. I'm sorry, a conference that is so deep. Um, but look, I think that they have the talent to, from a town perspective, I think they're decent enough to make the playoffs it's whether the chemistry of the team is going to come together. They have a new uh, <clears throat> new head coach. Mike Brown is Mike Brown <laughs> uh, is, is going to have it very tough to figure out how to fit all these pieces together, I think, but you have, you know, you have solid talent uh, kind of across the, across the board. I mean, you, you have, I think Harrison Barnes is a little bit underrated. He's a solid player. Um, so bonus was an interesting pick. I mean, it was an interesting trade considering you're, you, you kind of have given away how uh, Halliburton was kind of a future potential superstar that you kind of give away. It's kind of a situation that you saw in Milwaukee kind of, uh, you know, you're, you are not, maybe not quite, but you're, you're a team that's maybe not there yet, but Hey, they, they went for it and, and they have a, every opportunity to, to try and go for it. Keegan Murray, I think has a shot to be a very, very good player, a very good rookie this season. And, and it's just going to be up to, You know all those guys, um, and obviously Fox, who I think is kind of the the main guy of the uh, of the of the team too. uh, You know he he, he needs to step up a little bit. He needs to he needs to fix his efficiencies. I think he's a little bit. um, I I think there's too many question marks with him. But I think if if, I think if he can kind of fix that, I think he's he's solid enough to um, to if he improves. I think everybody else kind of improves with him. Um, You know you get a good you get a good. you get a good year out of Keegan Murray. Uh, he had a very good uh, summer league, it sounds like. So that, that, that only bodes well for you going into going into the season. This is a team that they weren't too far behind, uh, you know, that 10th or ninth spot. And I think that they have a chance to get into the play in. I don't now whether they, whether they go into the playoffs, that's one thing, but you know, fully, but I think that this team can make strides and I think they'll flirt with, you know, 35 to 40 wins.
2: Okay, that was going to be my follow-up question. So they they got 30 wins last year. You know, they they had Sabonis for, you know, less than half the season obviously after they made the trade. Um, you know, it feels like they're kind of I don't know if going for it is the real, you know, the real term because like they don't realistically they're not going to win the championship. Like they don't have a shot. But for the for Kings fans, you just want them to like make the play in tournament. Yep. So boys, I'm going to ask you this in general. Do they make the play-in tournament? Can they flirt with a 500 season? Uh no. James, no? No. Are they going to win more than – they won 30 games last year. Are they going to win more than that or less?
1: Yeah, because they ha- they're going to win a little bit more. Uh, because now I'm they have it. four years of bonus. But uh, we just talked about the Trailblazers, and we're about to talk about the Lakers. But the Trailblazers are obviously going to be better than they were last year. So they're going to have more of a chance in that play-in tournament than the Kings are. The Kings have two stars, man. It's going to be Fox and Sabonis. Uh, Harrison Barnes, his best years were in Golden State. He's been a role player since then. You can't really rely on him. They're going to be a little bit better, but they're not going to make the plane Ty? As much as, I hate,
3: <laughs> as much as I hate to give credit to the Sacramento Queens, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that they are going to be a play-in tournament basketball team in 2022, 23 trading yeah i think i think but they won't win a series
0: They're i mean yeah. every team above that is so much better
2: <laughs> yeah i think i think they've got a shot like well we're going to talk about some of these teams in the upcoming weeks depending on what happens with donovan mitchell the jazz could falter the spurs could falter who knows what the pelicans that feels like three teams they could potentially jump but things have to things have to go right um I'm married into a Kings family, so I'm hoping it goes right, just for my own self-worth or preference or well, fucking whatever. Who cares? Fuck you, Sacramento. I hope you figure it out. Uh, Finishing off the poopy teams in the West, my Los Angeles Lakers have fucked it up again, apparently. I don't know. They finished 33-48 and 48 last year, out Carmel Anthony, Dwight Howard, Kent Bazemore, Malik Monk, and Avery Bradley. In Troy Brown, Thomas Bryant, Damian Jones, Thomas Bryant, excuse me, Damian Jones, Juan Toscano, Max Christie, who was, they have no number one overall pick, like no first round picks forever. So whatever, we're going to talk about him, I guess. Um, The Lakers still have LeBron, they still have Anthony Davis, and they still have Russell Westbrook. So potentially we're rolling with that. LBJ did sign an extension to go through for the next couple of years. Westbrook is still here. Tyler, we're going to start with you. Uh, Oh, also, happy birthday, Kobe. I forgot to mention that. Today is Kobe's uh birthday. He would have been 44 today, so happy birthday to Kobe Bryant. Um, obviously, a lot of rumors about the Lakers over the offseason. Also, other news. As of today, Kevin Durant is staying with the Nets. Probably also means Kyrie is staying with the Nets. Uh, so Kyrie's not coming to the Lakers. Westbrook is still there. The season is coming up. Um, Just like, what are the Lakers doing? Are they, I feel like they're kind of doing this thing they did with Paul George like three years ago, where they're just waiting for him to become a free agent. And then they're like, oh yeah, he's coming here. And then he signs with the Clippers is that kind of what they're doing with Kyrie or like, what are you feeling as a diehard Lakers fan on August 23rd? I didn't honestly didn't know what date it was. Oh, it
3: is August 23rd. Uh Also happy birthday to my little sister, Bethany. Uh, mm. But also about the Lakers, I have no fucking idea what they're doing, what they're thinking, what, how the season's going to go. A lot of it has to hinge Obviously on the health of Anthony Davis, which I have zero confidence that that's ever going to happen. LeBron James, I have confidence that he's going to be fucking LeBron James. No doubt. Um, Russell Westbrook had, let's be honest, like an awful season last year. He did not fit in the Lakers. He was terrible. I feel like everyone in the Lakers, except for maybe Russell Westbrook wants him gone. I, you know, so I do want to give him some benefit of the doubt that maybe last year was just so overwhelming of the expectations that he just mentally was not locked in. So maybe he learns from that and comes into this year with, 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 with a new mindset and maybe he can be better, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, that's very optimistic. Um, So maybe he can contribute. Maybe he can put something together that actually makes him valuable to this, to this basketball team. But I have zero kind of a very little confidence that's that's actually going to happen. I honestly like I was thought about the Lakers going this season, going into the season and trying to come up with some sort of like outlook. I have no fucking idea. I really don't. Like this, this could be the same as it was last year, where there's like they they have some of the best basketball talent in the world and they just suck or maybe the pieces they added complement everyone well and maybe it works and maybe they're you know, they're you know a decent basketball team they'll be a you know a, of of the top 8 they'll be a, like at the bottom four of those top 8 you know maybe a 7 8 seed make the playoffs maybe win a series maybe not and be okay but i i think that's the i think that's their ceiling i think they're going to be a fringe playoff team at best Maybe be, maybe it could be competitive in the first round unless something dramatic happens with the remainder of the offseason and maybe the trade deadline or something out of nowhere comes out where it's just some player comes in from all these moves that they made and just steps up to the plate and really makes a huge contribution. My expectations are very low, but where this team is headed and with their direction, I could honestly, I have zero idea. I really don't know what they're going to look like. I don't know how things are going to fit it feels like they're just trying to do everything again and hope it works out. That's what, that's what it feels like. I feel like they like this, it's the same plan as last year with like the minor, minor players tweaked, but their main core intact. They're just going to try and do it again and just hope it works. But I don't know. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah. um, I I mean, I agree with you. Um, I mean, obviously there was a lot of, uh, you know, chatter over the off season about, Westbrook getting traded it never happened you know the contract the season he had last year didn't help um I think potentially now with LeBron signing the extension which was never a guarantee after last year you know he's made comments about wanting to play with his son Bronny as he comes into the league you know potentially in a couple of years um I mean, we'll, we'll just have to see, you know, we still have a month and a half ish of the off season, but Traden as the non Lakers fan, you were you were shaking your head. You were doing some little funny things there while Tyler was talking uh, as a Warriors fan. Uh, I'm going to call it by marriage. Um, you're just your thoughts on the Lakers, your thoughts on just like, what are they doing? Um, that whole aspect yeah
0: um to me (laughs) just way too many question marks um i thought what tyler said about russell westbrook giving him the benefit of the doubt was the biggest fucking cop out for a guy who's been in the league for so fucking long that we a lot that we have lauded after for year after year after year to cop him out at the age of 33 saying it was too much pressure i know you're a nice guy but call a fucking spade a spade russell westbrook you're a piece of shit you're fucking terrible get the fuck out of here okay like a uh, actually, you know what, why don't you stick with the, uh, Lakers we, us, 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 warrior fans are fucking loving the, uh, the, the attention that the negative attention that the Lakers have, have had for the last, you know, 356 days. Um, I, I don't even know if he's been on that team for that long, but I just made that up. If you got traded on, the uh, on, uh, or if he got moved on August 23rd, that'd be pretty awesome. of 2022 or 2021. That would have been awesome. Look, the, they, they, curr- they cur- last year, they could not shoot to save their lives. And, you know, a, a team a team that can shoot with LeBron James leading it, get the fuck out of the way, <laughs> because they're coming, and they just didn't have that. Um, they they ha- they lacked chemistry. It seemed like there's some issues, and I, I I have to think that there's some issues in the locker room. Um, Russ is a poison, in my opinion, um, and quite frankly, I th- I think he tainted that entire organization, and 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 that's pretty impressive for a for a single individual to do that. Um, there's too much, there's so much negative news just around the entire, uh, you know, the, the entire Lakers team. It seemed like at times while other teams were finding their ways, we were still talking about how bad the Lakers were. And it's like, just forget about them. It's over this season. Like until next season, we won't talk about you, but LeBron's on there. Russell's on there. That's just kind of how it goes. AD is, is Charmin ultra soft. I mean, he got the guy can't stay, can't stay healthy to save his life, which is like insane. Um, and I don't know if he actually, I mean, he probably does have injuries, but I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a Lakers fan, so I can, I can say shit like that. Um, they got younger, which is good. And maybe, maybe those new guys are going to kind of bring in a little bit of, um, you, you know, bring that youth in, bring the shooting back. And, and sure enough, they could, they could uh, find a way to the postseason again, but, and, but, you know, you have to think that LeBron's just going to do LeBron things, and that that is scary. Especially if, if your team's going to, you have to think they're going
2: to be better than last year. So that's the reality is they'll probably make the playoffs. Uh, I don't, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. If I'm completely honest, um, James, I'm sure you have some thoughts about the Lakers as well. Um, this segment has long, uh, you know, gone a little long, but James, just your thought on the Lakers, what they're doing. Um, you know, their premier franchise and the most marketable player in the NBA is on their team. So unfortunately, we talk about them quite a bit. Uh, but your thoughts on the Lakers, James? I think
1: Chain was spot on when he said there was something going on in the locker room last season. But good for Lakers fans is that there's new leadership. Darvin Ham is now the coach. Frank Vogel is gone. And you have to imagine that people applying for the job of head coach of the Lakers needed to have some sort of plan of what to do with Russell Westbrook. Darvin Ham might have had the best plan of what to do with him. And he's come out time and time again saying, I have a plan for what to do with Russ if he's still on the team. And you best believe, you probably talked to LeBron about this because let's be real, man. Every single thing that happens with LeBron's teams, he's in the know about. He's kind of like a part owner, part coach of any team he's on because of the stature that he has. And that's just something we have to deal with. And if LeBron signed off on having Darvin Ham as a coach, he's going to have to take his leadership and see what the plan is involving Russ. If AD can stay healthy, if they can figure out how to tame Russ's terrible shooting and bad passing, bad dribbling, bad layups, if they can figure out how to fix all that, the Lakers will be all right. Because LeBron, as Tyler said, is going to do LeBron things. If AD can stay 50% more healthy than they did last season, they're, they'll be looking up. Um, so I'm a little bit more optimistic than these guys are on the Lakers. Uh, I think they go 5-6 seed. If everything goes to plan, that's kind of the ceiling on them. Five, six, they're not going to be one, two, three, or four, five, six is their ceiling. Their floor is going to be out of the play-in spot. And that's if everything goes wrong. If AD gets hurt again, if Russ doesn't listen to coaching, LeBron goes off for triple doubles every single night. Like that's what's going to happen. That's your floor. But everything goes right. Your ceiling is five, six.
2: I really like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have their ceiling is five, six after the season we had last year. Um, I'm thinking more seven to nine, maybe. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think I personally don't think Russ gets traded before the season starts. I just don't think there's an avenue for that anymore. Um, you know, only so many teams have the cap space, blah, blah, blah. But Inevitably, I'm going to try not to talk about the Lakers as you know too much, just like Tyler tries to say about the Dodgers and trading tries, tries to do about the Oilers. Um, unfortunately, they have big names on their teams and it just kind of is what it is. But Laker Nation, it's gonna be a roller coaster of a year, that's just part of the deal. Um, again, sorry this segment went very long, but you know, these teams made, all these teams made interesting moves. They got a lot, we got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, next, next, uh, next week, we'll go into the mid, the mid teams in the East. So that'll be fun. But um, trading that's all I got for basketball this week. Thank you very, thank you very much, Alex. Look, I don't think it was too long.
0: I think that there's a lot to talk about. This is all good stuff. It's not like we're, uh, you know, we're talking bullshit. Um, this <clears throat> this is all stuff that I think a lot of uh, our fans are going to appreciate. So, Um, We appreciate you, Alex, for that. Um, When we come back, we're going to talk about the AFC East um, with James. We have two more podcasts until football season starts. We're very excited when we come back. and we're back i was wrong we have three podcasts until football season <laughs> so i apologize which means james you don't have to double up on a, on uh on uh divisions next week you can split up the south but today we don't care about that we care about the afc east we talked to nfc we're talking afc james take it away buddy
1: Starting with the New York Jets today. Last season, 4 and 13. This offseason, they gained Jordan Whitehead from the Bucks, tackle Lake and Tomlinson from the 49ers, tight end Tyler Conklin, and kicker Greg the Leg. But they lost free or free safety Marcus May and tight end Morgan Moses. Over under is set at 5.5. Alex, over under.
2: Uh, did not know they signed Greg the Leg. 18 and 0. They win an extra game. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Zach Wilson's going to be fucking milfs and going six and 11. Okay. Tyler.
3: Uh, Five and 12. They'll be slightly better than last year. Hopefully they get some progress out of Zach Wilson. He's going to be kind of center point of, you know, the season. Can they get improved from him? We'll see what happens, but I'm not expecting much. Five and 12.
1: Trading.
0: I think they did pretty good in the draft. I think they're going to be a little bit better. I think we're going to see a uh, six
1: win team. Like Alex said. Cool. Moving on to fantasy quarterback Zach Wilson, who is going to be banging Mills, according to Alex. QB twenty eight, ADP one sixty nine, hmm, undrafted. Nice. <laughs> yep, I didn't even make that up. That's really on the spot. I love that. Alex, going back to you. He's coming off a tough season last season, where he completed fifty five percent of his passes and had nine touchdowns to eleven interceptions. Will he have more touchdowns than interceptions this year, or is it going to be more of the same?
2: Um depending on what happens with his knee injury um i think he's maybe on track to miss potentially come back for week 1 or miss maybe the first couple of weeks um i mean you know his team got better i'd maybe i'm i'm hoping you know for his growth maybe like a 50-50 touchdown to interception ratio so you know 10 and 10 11 11 whatever it is um unfortunately the jets are not that good but if we see some growth that'd be great
1: Speaking of his knee injury, what are the chances
2: that he actually loses his job to Joe Flacco? I mean, I love me some Joe Flacco. Uh, <laughs> he won me. He won me a game like six years ago when he had five TDs in the first quarter. But uh, un, I mean, unrealistic. They drafted him very high. They obviously have faith that him. Uh, Saul is gonna, you know, run with this guy. Okay, running. Moving over to running back, we have Brees Hall, rookie.
1: He is running back twenty ADP is fifty two. He is the highest rookie running back on the board in terms of ADP. In his last two seasons in college, she had 3,044 yards, 41 touchdowns, and caught 93 passes. Tyler, how do you think this translates to the NFL?
3: Always hard to tell with rookies. Um, I think with, with, a, with a weaker team, it's, it's always tough. Um, so I don't know if it's going to translate super well, uh, but we'll see what happens. You never know, you never know how rookies can, can translate, but uh, my confidence
1: with that particular situation is a little bit low. Would you rather have him or Josh Jacobs? Jacobs. Moving on to wide receiver Elijah Moore and wide receiver Garrett Wilson. Elijah Moore is kind of the – he was the rookie last season. Wide receiver 41, ADP 110. During weeks 8 through 13 last year, he averaged 18 fantasy points per game. Massive. And then wide receiver Garrett Wilson, who was the rookie this season, ADP is 117, and he's wide receiver 44, he was the tenth overall pick in the draft, so he's very highly touted. Trading, mm-hmm. would you rather have Elijah Moore in the eleventh round or Garrett Wilson in the twelfth? I'm going to stick with Eli- uh, Elijah Moore because we saw what
0: he can do um, in you know in those uh, six games that he started. Um, he he looked really really good, um, and you know I, I think that alone is enough for me to say hey, this is a guy that I can that I can go with. I. I I, I'm always a little bit skeptical with, with, with rookies, especially when you're dealing with a quarterback that we have already major question marks on. I don't know how he's going to fit.
1: We know how, how Elijah Moore fit. I think he might even get an elevated role. Moving on to the Miami dolphins. Now last season, nine and seven, this season head coach, Mike McDaniel is now in charge, coming from the 49 Niners. They gained a lot of people. Wide receiver of killed via trade running back. Raheem Mostert from the Niners. Running back, Chase Evans from uh, Arizona. Left tackle, Tron Armstead from New Orleans. Wide receiver, Cedric Wilson from Dallas. Center, Connor Wilson from Dallas. And defensive end, Melvin Ingram from Kansas City. They did lose quarterback, Jacoby Brissett to Cleveland. And wide receiver, Devontae Parker to New England. Over-under is set at 8.5. Tyler, over-under. I got under just slightly.
3: uh, 8 and 9. Like I said, I just, I, I, I don't, I feel like they're not much improved and not much, not much take back. I feel like it's kind of almost, almost a copy paste from last year, but um, yeah, I, I, I just don't see this team going much direction. So eight and nine for them. Trading. I think just based on their schedule, they're going to be,
0: they're going to have a tough start and a tough end. And I think that alone is going to be enough for them to not crack the nine games. Uh, I think, I think we'll see them at eight. And then Alex.
2: I'm going to be the optimistic guy for once in my life. Nine and eight. Tyreek Hill can get him one more win. Why the fuck not? Nine and eight.
1: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. Fantasy-wise, quarterback Tua Tunga by Loa, quarterback 16 ADP, 148. Tyler, with the addition of weapons like Tyreek Hill, Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, who is a receiving back, and Cedric Wilson, should his ADP be higher than 148?
3: Not really. I mean, I think maybe, I guess it adds a little bit of value, you just a little more weapons to work with, but I think he still needs to prove that he can actually do his job well. I think that's a big por- part of being a good quarterback. Um, so we'll see what happens, but um, I'm not so confident that, you know, you plug two in any system that he's going to do much better. So, yeah, no, right. I, I disagree. So he's right. going to stay or I agree.
1: I agree with the ranking. Sorry. Okay. Yes. Uh running back groom, Chase Edmonds and Raheem Moster. Chase Edmonds is running back 34 ADP one sixteen. Raheem Mostert running back 43, ADP 156. Trading, would you rather have Chase Edmonds, the third down back and pass catcher in round 12 or Mostert, the first and second down back in round 16? Uh you know, I I would have to uh I have to go with uh Raheem here
0: um, on a value, um, uh, because I, I, first of all, I've seen what he did in, in, uh, San Francisco. And when he gets the ball, he, he, he can move it. Um, it, it, it seems, it seems like when you have a situation where you have two, um, you, you have a, 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 a committee of, of running backs, you're never, you know, you're already, you're already in the backseat. Um, I would say, that Raheem Moster just gives you the, the best bang for your buck. Um, you also have you also have uh, Sony Michelle on on that roster who we've seen manage the ball too. It's not saying you draft him. I'm just saying there's a huge committee here. So if you're gonna pick one of the two, go with the guy that I know that I seen you know carry the ball well, um, and you get him in the
1: 16th round. That's pretty fucking good. Wide receiver Tyree Kill. Wide receiver 18 number eight, uh, ADP is 19. Alex over under 1,100 yards. Last year he had one thousand two hundred and
2: thirty nine. Under, um, as you know, as as much as Tyreek wants to say that Tua is the most accurate quarterback he's ever played with, yeah, I'm he's not Patrick Mahomes, so I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> under, and then over under in his touchdowns of seven. Last year he had nine. Exactly seven.
1: Exactly seven. Cool. Yeah. Uh, why does he even Jalen? jalen waddle wide receiver, 15 adp is 42 so he's pretty high up there he finishes wide receiver 13 last season tyler let's say you drafted both tyreek hill and jalen waddle which definitely could happen how confident are you in their offense and their ability to get number wide receiver one and wide receiver two numbers
3: oh uh wide receiver one is a little bit sketchy there um yeah, I I think I said this with Tyreek Hill. I, I'm not so confident that he's gonna be the same guy in that Miami's that Miami system. Um, I see him as a as a wide receiver too at best. I think he's gonna come down a little bit. And that's like I said, nothing against Tyreek Hill. I think he's he's a great talent, but you gotta, like I said, football's a team sport, so you gotta have a good team around you.
1: Miami is nowhere near to where, where Kansas City was. So I feel like he's gonna his ranks are gonna come down a little bit. Tight end Mike Koseki, tight end number 10, ADP 108. Trading last season, he was he finished as tight end number eight. With all these new additions, will he finish in the top 10 and where? Um, I can see him
0: staying rated right eight, actually. Um, I think he's a big part of the offense. I know that Tyreek Hill's there, I know that you have a couple of the other pieces, but he kind of proven himself that he's he's a safe bet for for Tua. And you know I, I say this multiple times the safety blanket's important, and he is the safety blanket, and he will continue to be. Um, so, uh, that, that just puts him in my eyes in the eighth spot again.
1: New England Patriots are next last season, 10 and seven, they lost offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, to the Raiders, cause he's now the head coach there. They gained cornerback Malcolm Butler from Arizona, but then he got hurt and he got to put on, on season ending IR. So we will not play this season. So did they really gain him? Probably not, but they did get Devonte Parker from Miami via trade, which we just talked about. They lost cornerback JC Jackson to the chargers uh, center Ted Karras to Cincinnati middle linebacker Dante Hightower to free agency and wide receiver Nikhil Harry to Chicago over under is once again set at 8.5 trading over under under.
0: I think they're going to regress. The Patriots are not the, the, the guys in this division. And they they haven't been for a couple of years and they won't be for a few more years. Um, There's too many question marks for me um defensively the secondary is a question mark i who's going to be uh, the play caller for this team that if you're not establishing that now i think that that's kind of that could be a problem going forward especially for a team that a little bit younger trying to find their way um yeah i have them
2: under and they have a tough schedule alex under um belichick is a defensive head coach we've known that for years they just lost Josh McDaniels. They lost, you just, James, you just said it. They lost a bunch of defensive players. I got them at seven wins.
3: Tyler. Yeah, also under. Uh, I don't only really see this Patriots team doing a whole lot. Uh, Bill Belichick is going to do the best he can. He'll probably make them overachieve more than they probably should. But that being said, I think seven
1: wins is their ceiling. Quarterback, Mac Jones, QB number 20, ADP 165. Alex, for the remainder of your se- for the rest of your season, would you rather have Mac Jones or Justin Fields?
2: Oh. <laughs> what, what do, you, do think you think of these it? questions? <laughs> yeah, dude, these questions are brutal. <laughs> Justin Fields, just because his running ability has the higher upside than Mac Jones, even though he plays on such a shittier team.
1: <laughs> uh, running back room. Damian Harris, running back, thirty ADP, ninety eight, and he finished at a running back fourteen last season. Or Ramondre Stevenson, running back, thirty three ADP, one twelve. in the running back room is always hard to read for the Patriots. Let's be real. If you were to have one back from the Patriots, would you rather have Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson?
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say uh, Damian Harris here. Um, he had a, he had a really stellar season last season, and you got. I think that the, the offense is still going to work around him uh, in the same way. I mean, he almost broke a 1,000 yards, which is fantastic. You may, we might even see it happen this season um, if, if if they don't go to to such a um, committee of, of uh, running backs, which is kind of par for the course for the New England Patriots. So what am I saying? Probably not going to happen. Uh,
1: but I'm going to say Damien Harris. Hunter Henry, this is Tyler's guy, his uh, pick, I remember, from back in the day, tied at 13, ADP 20, 129. He was very effective as a pass catcher when he was with the Chargers and he finished his tight end number 10 last season. Tyler, does he deserve to be a top ten tight end? I do. I think he's right in the fringe there,
3: nine ten. I think this guy's a little bit underrated. Um, I, I think he's a he's a great fantasy option for you. Um, if you don't have one of those kind of top five tight ends that you can get lucky with. Um,
1: I'm a big fan of Hunter Henry. Moving on going to the Buffalo Bills, the last team we'll talk about in the AFC East. Last season, eleven and six. They are currently the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl this season. They lost offensive coordinator Brian Dable, head coach of the, who's now the head coach of the Giants, which I'm hearing he hates very, very, very much. <laughs> <laughs> this last season, they offseason they gained linebacker Von Miller from the Rams, signed for a lot of money at his old age, which is crazy to me. And they also gained guard Roger Saffold out of Tennessee. They lost Harrison Phillips, a defensive tackle, to Minnesota. Quarterback Mitch Trubisky to Pittsburgh. Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders are both free agents. Over-under is at 11.5. Alex, over-under.
2: Obviously, Josh Allen, as my best friend, is going to get 13 wins. Oh,
1: I like that. Cool. Tyler?
3: Uh, yeah, I got 13 wins for them as well. Um, they're, they're one of the Super Bowl favorites going into this season. I have no doubt they're going to have a stellar season.
0: <laughs> 13 wins uh here's your four losses pencil the mint pencil not not pen loss of the rams chiefs bangles and maybe the green bay packers maybe um just because it might i think it might be in oh no that's it that's green bay at home so there you go that that can be kind of tough in the wintertime so there's your four losses but that's about
1: it i feel like green bay and buffalo in the wintertime are pretty similar it might be pretty similar but you never know Oh. Cool. Cool. I, I, I
0: just, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm giving green Bay the benefit of the doubt, even though they probably don't deserve it. I'm not going to say they're going to get 14 wins
1: 13. is pretty solid. Yeah, that's That's very, very good. Fantasy wise, quarterback, Josh Allen QB number one, ADP 24. And he was trained one keeper. Crazy. Uh Alex, what percent chance does he have to three as a number one, overall QB in
2: fantasy? Again, as he's my best friend, a hundred. uh. No. <laughs> uh I mean, realistically, like 80%. I mean, he's got an incredible team around him. He's still very mobile as a running quarterback. He scores a lot um, with his legs. Um, Dude, he's the best. He's so hot. (laughs) And he now is a boner. Running backs, Devin Singletary
1: (laughs) and James Cook. Tyler, listen up. Devin Singletary, running back 25, ADP 81. James Cook, who is Davin Cook's brother is running back 38 ADP 129 and this is his rookie season there's a lot of noise coming out of Buffalo saying that James Cook looks good Tyler do you still like the incumbent in Devin Singletary or do you like the new kid in De- James Cook
3: I feel like Devin Singletary hasn't done anything super spectacular I think he's been he does, he's done his job he's a great why not give it to the new kid see what he's got I mean obviously his brother's done pretty fucking good so uh i don't think that i think like i said the, i don't think the buffalo bills need it but like i said Singletary has he's been like it's solid but nothing great
1: why not give cook a chance stefan diggs wide receiver six adp is 14 trading is number six too low for someone who has no other competition for targets keep in mind cole bleasley and emmanuel sanders are both gone
0: yeah i mean uh, you have to think that's low this this is a guy that put up 1500 yards in 2020 and 12 and then followed up another 1200 yards in in um 2021 the only the only thing that i guess you're competing against is the fact that Josh Allen if if you're if if digs is not open he's just going to fucking run it that's just what he does um so maybe that's kind of playing into it but i mean he's i wish he was my best friend alex uh when i'm talking about the quarterback of course um uh, like he's he's uh digs is is i think a little underrated he's going to get you 1100 yards that's that's for sure it's just how much more it just depends on how much josh allen doesn't want
1: to run that day oh yeah makes a lot of sense <laughs> Tight end dawson knox tight end number 12 adp 121 alex we've talked about this time and time again all this guy does is score touchdowns he had nine touchdowns last season how many will he have this year and will he end up being a top 10 tight end I,
2: I don't think he'll be a top 10 tight end um you know i'm i'm expecting a little bit of regression from him he feels like a really great backup to whoever your starting tight end is um you said nine touchdowns he had correct 6 to 7 is what i would kind of expect still pretty damn good That's still damn good <laughs> for yeah. tight end and that uh, that pretty much wraps up my segment, guys. AFC
1: East done and dusted. AFC East done and dusted. This is this is a division that
0: always just has one big dog, and you was the Patriots, and now it's Bills Mafia, and yeah. Call, I'm calling it right now we're gonna see a bills chargers um afc championship um please let that happen please let that happen um that would be fantastic but um thank you guys very much for uh, sticking with us I, it was a little bit on the long side but it was all great it was all fantastic all the uh all the segments we had were, were great we're, we're we're giving you guys everything you guys need you don't need to read a sh- read shit. we got it for you we are analyzing it we're debating it Fuck you, that's, Matt, that's, that's what our <laughs> That's what our, uh, the title of this podcast is all about. Um, but I really hope you guys, um, have a great week. Uh, football season's coming up baseball season's really starting to, you know, find its way, uh, to the, uh, to the, to October baseball. Um, and, and we're eagerly waiting the other two sports that are our winter sports, hockey and basketball um i'm probably going to be hosting for a little while longer and i hope uh hope that's okay with everyone um uh, it's fine with me alex we need to get through as much basketball as possible because i know a lot of people love that um on this uh, podcast you guys have a fantastic week um we love you guys um